All right, Jabosai, good morning. Let, let us begin. So begin by thanking our sponsors for the DAF, to thank our Tamatora sponsors for the month of Shvat, to thank the Elbaum Mishpacha to, for dedicating all the Shi'urim and Drushas this month in memory of uh, Yaakov Koppel, Yaakov Koppel, Yaakov Koppel, Ben Avram Menachem. Right, is Avram here? Avram Menachem, Avram Menachem. Okay, it's not on the sheet. Okay, we hope that in the, by, by his children, Avram, Sean, Judah Elbaum, his loving wife, Shirley Elbaum, we hope that in the merit of our Tamil Torah, may his neshama have an aliyah and the family a nechama. And to thank Bracha Strimber for dedicating all of the Shurim and Drashos this month in memory of her husband, Avi, Avram ben Kalman Eliezer Halevi, on the occasion of his ninth yard site. We hope that in the merit of our Tamil Torah, the neshama will have an aliyah, and the family a nechama. And with that, let us begin with a beautiful daf ahead of us today. Today's daf is Nun Zayin 57. Baruch Hashem, we uh, we made some good uh, some good progress despite uh, despite the slow start in the in, in the daf, getting bogged down with Baruch Hashem. Not bogged down. That was the Chassidshalom. Getting 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 lost in some of the uh, in some of the beautiful details. We are picking up this morning at the bottom of Nun Vavam with days 56b at the two dots. The Nostan Paleyarics. Remember again, our Mishnah discussed six things that the people of Yericho did, and three of them, not to be clear, the rabbis were not happy with any of them, but three of them they objected to, three of them they did not object to. Or I should reverse the order. Three of them they did not object to, three of them they objected to. We're now up to the last item on that list, which is that the people of Yericho went ahead and gave payah from vegetables. So remember, again, we spoke about this in yesterday's nap. What's the problem? It sounds like such a wonderful thing. Remember, vegetables are not subject to payah. Payah means leaving, again, the corner of the field to the poor. So leaving payah from vegetables, you're not obligated to do so. Seems to be like such a such an incredible charitable act. But of course, remember, as we saw in Rashi in yesterday's daf, it was problematic. Why? Because halacha lemaisa, essentially, peya is tax exempt, right? Peya, you don't have to separate out trumas and maestras. But if you take something and designate it as peya, when it's not really in the peya family, that means that effectively what you're giving to the aniyim is tevel. In other words, the aniyim, if, if you, well, remember again, you can make anything you want hefker. And if you want to go ahead and give your property to the poor, that is certainly your prerogative. But halacha lemaisa, if it's not peya, that means that when the poor take it, they must separate out trumas and maestros. The problem, of course, was the paupers did not, the poor didn't know this. They assumed peya is peya is peya. If you're living in this peya, it's, it's truma maeser exempt. And so they were taking and effectively eating tevel. So the Gemara goes out to the Gemara says, this is a Mufursha Mishnah. Right? Alachus of Peah are an explicit Mishnah. What's the Mishnah? Klalam Rubba Peah. But say this is the general, called guiding light principle when it comes to Peah. Koshu Ochel, number one, you have to be food. Right? Peah only comes from an item that's food. Benishmar. Nishmar means it could be stored. It could be stored. Ugidulam in and it grows from the ground. Ulikitasukaachos, and it's harvested. At once, umachni solikium. And ultimately, again, you could go ahead and store it for long amounts of time. So the Gemara says, chai So again, halacha lemaisa, if, if a food item satisfies all of these criteria, then under those circumstances, it is subject to peya. So the Gemara says, each of these comes to exclude something. Koshu ochel has to be food number one. That's pratlis sviche satis vikote. 
So we'll say this refers. Remember, Svichim we had in the in the sugya regarding Shvius, regarding Shmita, right? The prohibition to eat Svichim after growths out of fear that you may come to go and plant something. So, so what does it mean when it says it has to be a food? This comes to exclude the aftergrowths. Sates Rabbi say translates as safflower, and Kotzer translates as woad. W O A D. These are items. These are items that grow vinishmar, and ultimately, again, it's something that's guarded. I, I shouldn't say stored because stored is really the end. Something that's guarded. What does that refer to? Pratla hefker. This comes to exclude a hefker item. So we'll say something that is hefker ultimately, again, cannot be made into peyo. Vigidulam in and ultimately, something that grows on the ground. Prat lekiminopitrios. This comes to exclude mushrooms and truffles, which, although they grow attached to the ground, ultimately again do not halachically grow from the ground. And as example, it's harvested all at once. Prat This comes to exclude figs. So we'll say figs. Interestingly enough, are not harvested at once, even on the same tree. Different figs mature at different times. At different times. And only an item that can be stored, that can be stored, ultimately is subject to peah, prat liyarek. Both say this excludes vegetables, because vegetables can't be stored, right? Vegetables rot. So we'll say it's interesting, kind of, when, when you put all of these together, kind of what comes out is, the only thing that's really subject to pay is really things like standing grain, because they're harvested at once, they're stored for a long time, people don't make it, I mean, you can make it hefker, but it's something we, someone would normally guard, so on and so forth. But again, the point that Gemara is making over here is, why would the people of Yericho be leaving peah from vegetables? It's an explicit Mishnah that vegetables don't fit peya criteria. This is fascinating. What are you talking about over here? The leaves of turnips. The leaves of turnips. Then I will say a little bit of interesting insight into turnips over here. Look at Rashi for just a moment. Rashi liftos. Ali halefes. Machnisin osalikim ahi Then I will say here's what's interesting. Everyone agrees that technically speaking, turnips could satisfy could satisfy the criteria for peah. Ah, you say to yourself, well, one second, that's not true. It can't satisfy the last criteria, which is machnisa lekiyum. So you're not a store. You can't store turnips. They will rot. Oh, you can store turnips. How do you store turnips? You pickle them. If you were to pickle turnips, you could go ahead and store them for a prolonged amount of time. So we'll say, I will say you could do that with, with any vegetable. Okay, that's a kasha. That's a kasha. But again, we're not in the sugi of pear right now, so we're not going to deal with that. But I will say, but watch this. Watch this. So the Gemara says as follows. What are we dealing with over here? We're dealing with the leaves on the tops of turnips. Turnip, we'll call them turnip leaves, for lack of a better term, which are the, le- the leafy part that grows at the top of the vegetable. So we'll say, interestingly enough, if you were to pickle the turnips, often I guess they would be pickled with the leaves on top of it. So the shayla is, now the leaves, technically speaking, are they subject to peya or not? Well, you're pickling the leaves, which therefore makes them, quote-unquote, storable, storable, but lamaisa, they're only being pickled because of the primary turnip plant. They're, meaning it's a subsidiary, a secondary item. It's not being stored for itself. It's only being stored for something else. So the Gemara says, this is machlokas. So one opinion says that when you store one item by dint of another, 
Right? When you store one item, not because you really want it, but it's being stored because it's detached to the primary item, that secondary item is still called a quote-unquote stored item, and therefore is subject to payah. We'll say that's what the people of Yericho felt. The people of Yericho felt that the leaves of the turnip plant could be utilized as payah, because halacha they were stored together with the turnip. Aye, they were only there because they're just that happened to be attached to the turnip. They're not being saved because at, or stored because actively anyone wanted them. It doesn't make a difference. Ultimately, the people of Yericho held, when you store something, by dint of it being attached to something else, that is still called a stored item and therefore can be subject to payah. Umar Sabar versus the Rabbanan who felt, the rabbis at the time who felt, lo shmekium, that when you store one item by dint of another, but you're only storing the second item not because you really want it, but just because it's attached to the primary item, that's not called a quote-unquote stored item, and therefore it is not subject to pay us. Well, as I say, interestingly enough, where the Gemara seems to be explaining over here, is the machlokus in the people of Yericho and the Rabbanan was not about leaving payah from vegetables in general. Everyone knows you can't generally leave payah from vegetables. It was a very specific case of turnip leaves. Turnip leaves. So the people of Yericho felt the leaves themselves are subject to payah because they're stored. I, they're not really stored because you want them. They're stored because they're attached to the turnip. So they felt nevertheless that makes it a stored item. It checks all of the boxes by payah and therefore Allah is subject to payah. The Rabbanan again felt, no, 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 the leaves are not called stored. They just happen to be stored because they're attached to the turnip, but they're not subject to payah. That was the Machlokis. Good. So the Gemara, the Gemara kind of expounds on this a little bit. Ten Rabbanan. A very interesting race of Rishonah, how you know Stimpeah, in the beginning, they used to go ahead and give payah from lefes. It was a lefes, as we saw before, is turnips. Kruv is cabbage. Rabbi Yossi Omer Af Lekaflut. Rabbi Yossi said, even leeks. Leeks were also, they used to leave payah from leeks. Vitanya Idach, another Brysa said, how you know snin payah le lefes, kaflut. Another Brysa says, they used to give payah, ultimately again from lefes, turnips. And kaflot leaks, but of course, this one leaves out cabbage. Rabbi Shimon Omar Afla Krov, and Rabbi Shimon adds in cabbage, top of Munzayin. I, the Gemara says, Are you telling me, Nema Tlosa Tanai Havu? Are there three different Tanoim who comment on the discussion regarding vegetables and peyah? To which the Gemara says, Lo, Trey Tanai Havi. Ultimately, again, there are only two Tanoim. The Tanakama, Drab Shimon, Heiner Rabbiosi. The Tanakama, Drab Shimon is really the same position, Rabbiosi. The Tanakama, Drabiosi, Heiner Rabbi Shimon. And the Tanakama, Rabbiosi is Rabbi Shimon, is also Rabbi Shimon, I should say. Umay Af. And what does he mean when he says Af? When he says Af Likruv, Akamaisa. He's simply going ahead and adding on on the previous statement. Good. So again, so what we begin to see, just interesting, so first of all, what we quoted over here before, I will say, you know, every once in a while, and by the way, there are still Dafyomi notebooks if anyone wants, because it's good to take notes. And I will say, but again, every once in a while, you come along these yisodos. So for example, what we just learned by Peah is a very important yisod. Very important, it's a very important principle. That in order to go ahead and be subject to Peah, Ultimately, you have to satisfy these criteria. You have to be ochol, you have to be food. Nishmar, something ultimately, again, that is not hefker. Gidula mina aretz, you grow from the ground. Likitaso ka'achas, harvested at once. And machniso likium, something that is potentially stored. Those are the five criteria ultimately for payah. Those are, I want to point out, those are uncontested. Those are uncontested. Five, five criteria for payah. 
Now, what's contested is, so therefore, again, we be, based on that, we say vegetables are not subject to payo. But now what you begin to see is now there's a discussion, but one second, you can store vegetables. Oh, well, if you can store vegetables, technically, then they could be some, some subject to payo. That doesn't really seem to be so contested either. The machlokes is with the leafy part of those stored vegetables. Do we view the leaves as stored items, or do we just simply view them as, as, as nothing, as like dirt that's attached to the plant itself? That was the machlokes of the Rabbanon and Anshe Yericho. Anshe Yericho felt the leaves were significant, therefore again subject to peah, just like the actual vegetable. The Rabbanon felt it was just like leaving dirt on, on, the, on the vegetable, totally insignificant, not subject to peah. We'll say an incredible story. Tan Rabbanon, Ben Bahayon, Whoever, whoever, whoever this is, Rashi says over here, Ben Bahayon, uh, Ben Bahayon, Shame Aviv Bahayon. Okay, so Rashi, so Rashi just says, okay, his father's name was Bahayon. Now, we'll say, now, now the reason, why, why is Rashi come? I mean, isn't that a little bit obvious? We'll say, sometimes you have these individuals ben, who, who are identified by the Gemara and they call them Ben someone, but the someone is actually not their father. But instead, again, the someone, the someone is there, is a description. For example, I'll say, you know, again, when the Gemara describes the three wealthiest men of Yerushalayim. So there's Kalba Savua, Nakdimon Ben Gurion, and Ben Tzitzis Hakesas. So Ben Tzitzis Hakesas, his father's name wasn't Tzitzis Hakesas, right? Ben, right? ben Tzitzis Hakesas means, remember, he was so wealthy, the Gemara says, that his tzitzis never dragged on the ground. He used to walk on, on silken cushions. That's, so his tzitzis, his tzitzis would drag against the kasa. So we'll say, see here, Rashi's pointing out over here that, by the way, Ben Bayon, his father's name was Bayon. That was, that, okay, so we'll say, listen to this. Ben Bayon, Nasan Peliarek, watch this. So the son of Bayon, he gave Peah, from vegetables. So he was dispensed, he left a corner of his vegetable field for the poor to take. Ba'ave, watch this, his father came home and saw what the son did. And what happened? He saw that the paupers were standing there. They were, he saw, so he comes home. Obviously, his son did not consult with him with what he was doing. So ultimately, the father sees that the paupers are there holding a whole bunch of vegetables by the entrance of the garden. Amr lahem. So Bahaya, now the father says to the paupers, Banai, hashlichu ma'aleichem, do me a favor. Drop the vegetables, drop it, right? Drop the vegetables. And I will give you twice as much tithed produce. You will say, remember again. So what Bahayan was concerned about was, these Aniyim, they think they're taking peah. If it's peah, it's exempt from Shumas and Maestras. They're going to take it home, and it turns out they're going to consume Tevel. So he makes them an incredible offer. Drop what you have with you right now, and I will give you twice as much tithe produce. Lo mipnei she'en Don't think this is because I'm cheap, right? And, and ultimately, again, don't think it's because I'm cheap. Rather, ela mipnei she'amru chachamim enosnin peya liyarek. But rather, it's because the chachamim said, we don't give peya from vegetables. So the Gemara says, Lama Leila Lahu Now, remember, what was the offer, right? The offer was, drop the vegetables, I'll give you twice as much tithe produce. And then he says, by the way, I'm not doing this because I'm cheap. 
I must say, obviously he's not cheap. He's offering them twice as much. Why did he have to say that? So the Gemara says, To which the Gemara says, Because I will say, the Aniyah might have thought like this. Oh, sure. Right, sure. You're going to give us, you're going to give us, you're going to give us twice as much tithe produce. We know what's going on over here. What is Bohayan trying to get us to do? What is he trying to do? He's trying just to get us to go out and drop the vegetables. And once he drops the vegetables, what's going to happen? He's going to gather it up. He's going to chase us out of here. And we're going to be left with nothing. Therefore, Bahayan felt, he felt that ultimately, again, it was necessary for him to explain to them, I'm not doing this because I want the vegetables back. I'm not doing this because I'm cheap. I'm doing this because you are taking untithed produce. And ultimately, again, this is not real payout. So therefore, put it down. I'll give you twice as much tithe produce. You know, I both said, I was very struck by this, uh, by this Gemara, very struck by this Gemara, that if you notice the way that, uh, the way that Bohanion goes ahead and talks to the Aniyim, is he calls them Banai. He calls them my sons. Now, I both said, just to be clear, the Aniyim were doing something wrong, right? Remember, again, obviously, it's, it's Bohanion's son who has responsibility because he put, he made the vegetables you know, in Tepeah. But Lamaisa, but Lamaisa, the Aniyim were also doing something wrong in taking vegetables. Also, remember again, it's a Mephorish Mishnah that you can't take, you can't take vegetables as Peah. And amazingly enough, Bohayon refers to them as his sons. So also, I'll tell you something amazing. The Lubavitcher Rebbe, Sechitzadik makes an amazing observation in the past week's parasha. You know, the Torah says by the whole episode, I have to thank uh, Rebbe Larry Ziffer for, uh, for allowing me to learn the Rebbe's Torah every week. So I'll say, so, so amazingly enough, so the, the Pasuk says, by the Mata, right? We know the whole story. We spoke about this Shabbos morning. By the, by the Mata, right? Moshe, they come with the whole miracle of the Mata. The Mata turns into the snake. And then the Torah says, the Torah says, Vayivla mata aronis matosam. Ultimately, again, the mata, the staff of Aaron, swallowed up the staff of the Khartoum of Paro sorcerers. So Rashi Kodesh says, Vayivla mata aron, me'acher shechazra vinase mata bala eskulon. That there was a miracle. What was the miracle? See, I will say, it wasn't the snake of Aaron that swallowed up the snake of the Khartoum. And rather, what happened was the staff turned back into a staff. And swallowed up all of the other staffs as well. So ask the Rebbe, why? Like, why? why? Or as well say, it's like a miracle and a miracle. It was already a miracle that the staff turned into a snake. But okay, so let the snake of Moshe and Aaron swallow up the snake of the Khartoumim. Why does it have to, why does it, it turns back into a staff and the staff swallow up the other staff. So listen to what the Rebbe says. The Rebbe says there are times in life where you have to swallow someone. <laughs> what does that mean? There are times in life where you have to tell someone they're wrong. You have to tell someone they're wrong. Yeah, you have to, you have to give Moser, right? Both said, you know, we, we, we live like in today in society. So we're often taught to think, you know, like live and let live. Everyone's right. Everyone's entitled to their version of truth. It's not true. There is truth and there's Shekhar. There's Amos, there's Shekhar. There's right, there's wrong. There's moral, there's immoral. There, of course, is there gray in this world? A thousand percent. But sometimes you have to tell someone you're wrong. You're, uh, you're, you're wrong. But when you tell someone you're wrong, what the Rebbe calls you swallow them, which means you negate their version of the truth because they are wrong. You don't swallow them as a snake, right? You don't swallow them in a caustic, abrasive way. But you swallow them. You negate their version of truth. You give them Musr in a calm, loving fashion. 
That's why the mate turned back into a mate. It was the mate of Aaron that swallowed up the matos of the chartumim. Because sometimes when you have to tell someone they're wrong, you don't do it as a serpent going in and swallowing up other serpents, but you do it as a mata. And remember the mata, like we saw yesterday, the mata of Moshe has the name of Akkadish Baruch Hu on it. It's the it's 72 letter. You use it mata, swallowing up the other mata. So we'll say, so it was very, it struck me. I happened to see this idea yesterday. And it struck me over here. You see Bahayon, you know, we'll say, can you imagine the seed? You walk into your field, you walk into your field, your kid, while you were away for a couple of hours, decided to go to mark off a whole corner of the field. Everybody and their brother is there gathering up vegetables, right? And you walk in. I say, I think most of us would react a little bit differently. What does Baha'i'an say? Bonai, my children. My children. I both say, if you want your words to be heard, especially when you're trying to promote your version of truth, when you have to give Musr, the way to give Musr, the way to convey MS is binachos, is being a mata. Not being a serpent, an incredible gemara. Bosei we go weiter. Tan Rabbanon. So Bosei Barishona, how you manichin oros kachim belishkas beisapara. Bosei another incredible ma'isa. It's incredible. In the beginning, in the beginning, they used to leave the oros kachim. So Bosei. So remember again, Rashi points out over here. Rashi points out over here that halacha. If you look at Rashi, oros kachim. Or Ola Vekatos Vashamos Vekabanos Sibar, Shemishalkim Oros, Kajakadashum Nakaharim. So both say remember again, certain types of carbonos, the hide became the possession of the coin. The hide became the possession of the coin. Right? So remember again, Abose, so just just we've spoken about this many times before. So the Kohanim, the Kohanim were split up into fifty-four Mishmoros, right? And each Mishmar, so fifty-four shifts. Each Mishmar was comprised of multiple Bate Avos, which are Kohanic families. Each base Av, the hope was that they would get a day to serve in the base Amikdash. So I will say, so what would they do? So now you offered up a whole bunch of Karbanos in a day. So you have all of the hides. What would they do with the hides? And remember, those hides, I will say, that's where Kohanim got a lot of Parnosa from. Besides the meat of the Karbanos, they got the hides, of course, Truma. So Raj to the Gemara says, but I'll show in the beginning, they used to go out and place the, place the hides, the Oros Kachim, in, in Besap Harva, which was a chamber in the Besap Mikdash, Le'erev, also, Anche Besap, so we'll say, and every evening, every evening, they would divide up the hides amongst the family who served in the Besap Mikdash that day. And I will say, by the way, there's no guarantee, right? Because remember again, Everything depends on, on the volume of that particular day. So Tuesday might be a slow day. Thursday might be a, have, a, you know, a, a more packed day. But whatever it was, at the end of the day, they would divide up the hides. Watch what happened. But there were some powerful Kohanim who would take more than their share. They would take more than their share. So we'll say, so first of all, it's just an, an incredible thing. You know, we'll say, you know, no one is immune. No one is immune to the pull of money, right? It's, it's an incredible, this is happening in the base Hamikdash, in the base Hamikdash. So Balizro, which means they were more powerful, whether it means physically powerful, more influential Kohanim, who would take more than their share. So what happened? So they made a new Takana. The new Takana is, we're not gonna divide up the hides every day. We're gonna divide up the hides at the end of the week. We'll say, what's the mile of dividing up the hides at the end of the week? All the families. Remember again, the end of the week is when the shifts would change. So gather everybody together on Friday. 
Rashi says over here, the Erev Shabbos, the Kule Mishmara Tehave Hasan Velo Yanichula Balizros Litol Bizra. See, I'm saying, if you're dividing the hides up every day, it's only one Kohanic family that's there. It's easy for some Kohan and maybe to muscle their way through. But the assumption was that if you're dividing up the hides at the end of the week, all of the Kohanic families are there. No one could really muscle their way into, you know, into taking more than their share. That was the assumption. So what happened? Listen to this. Still, what ended up happening? The Gedolei Kuhuna, which I will say is not a compliment, right? The Gedolei Kuhuna is not, is not, is not, is not the Chashev, meaning the stronger Kohanim were still taking more than their share. Rashi says, Sarin Shevahem, the more Chashev ones was taking more than their share. So we'll say, so what happened? This is incredible. Amdu Bailim Vikdishul Hashemayim. So we'll say, it's actually very interesting. The Kohanim, the Kohanim together came together and they said, you know what? No one gets hides. If this is what's going to happen, if this is what's going to happen, that literally, again, there's an abuse of power and some kind of going to take more than their share, then no one gets anything. And they decided ultimately, again, to consecrate the hides to the Beis HaMikdash. All the hides were consecrated to the Beis HaMikdash. So the Gemara says, so Amdu Ba'ilam Rashi says, Kol Kohanim Mishmaros Yachav Vikdish Lo Betek Ba'is. So we'll say, so watch, watch this. Amru, so they said, Lo Hayu Yamim Mu'atim. So we'll say, so now, obviously, this was a windfall for the Beis HaMikdash. Because suddenly, again, the Beis HaMikdash has an incredible, an incredible infusion of money. Because suddenly, again, remember, all of those hides that were once Kohanic property now become the property of the Beis HaMikdash. Listen to the Gemara says, Lo Hayu Yamim Mu'atim. Watch this. Not a, so it was a short time later that what happened? They, they literally covered the entire base Hamikdash in gold. We'll say, where did these funds come from? From the hides, the sale of the hides. There was so much money that came in from the sale of the hides that were the property of the Karnab, the Karnab that were matched to the base Hamikdash. That they covered the entire Heichel. They covered the entire, we'll call it the Beis Hamikdash proper structure in gold. Or we'll say literally again in, um, tableaus. If you can imagine in like, I guess we'll call it golden tiles. Golden tiles that were an ama by ama with the thickness of a dinar. Ula regal, boss, listen to this. And on the regalim, when all the Jews would come to the Beis Hamikdash, Hayyamikhaflin Osa, they would take off the tiles. And they would put it on the ramp up to Harabayas. So that the people would see, the pilgrims would see, or come to Beisamikdash, how perfect the craftsmanship was, and there was no blemish. Shabbos says, isn't this beautiful? They would take off, it's, first, of all, first of all, it's just, it's just an incredible story about how the desire for money could easily corrupt and could easily corrupt even pious people and could easily corrupt even in the most pious places. We all know this, right? I think there's no one amongst us who doesn't like money. Everybody likes money, right? Uh, again, unless you're a mamish like a tzaddik who's mufka from Olam Haza. But I think most of us like money. I think most of us like money a lot, a lot. But, 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 but Lamaisa, but Lamaisa, again, you see how sometimes, again, the, the ability, when you see the opportunity to get more, how sometimes that could bring out the worst of people, right? The notion that the Kohanim are quarreling amongst themselves and stronger Kohanim are taking the portion from weaker Kohanim is, is heartbreaking to the point where they saw the only solution was 
be makdish everything. The beautiful part, of course, was it served ultimately again for the benefit of the Beis HaMikdash. I'll tell you something interesting. Let me see if I could quickly pull up the Rambam here. I will. Um, the Rambam, the Rambam, the Rambam, let me see if I could pull it up over here. If I could pull it up quickly, I will. Mishnah Torah, Maisa Karbonis. I'm sorry. Okay, I can't pull it up. But I will say, so anyway, so the, the Ramam happens to Paskin. This was a Horasha. This is our Rosh. In other words, this system, this system did not remain in place. Instead of we'll say what system did remain in place was as follows. That halacha lemaisa, what they ended up doing was as follows. In the beginning, they used to divide up the hides every day. They stopped that system and hide division took place on Fridays. That, that system did remain in place. Apparently, this story that we're seeing over here, where they decided to consecrate the hides, that was not the Olam Vod. That, I, I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know historically when this happened, or for how long it actually went on for, but I will just tell you that if you look up in the Rambam, Maisa Karbanos, Parakei Halacha Chaf, you will see that the Rambam codifies it, that they would divide up the hides Friday. Friday, we'll say, good, so that, that's the Allah Khalmaisa. Good, we'll say, let's go back to it a little bit. Tana Abishal, so we'll say, once you're talking about strong arm tactics, the Gemara brings up another story. Tana Abishal, Abishal taught, Koro shall shikma, how you be Yericho. We'll say, there were these beautiful trunks of sycamore trees in Yericho. Vahayubali's rose, Notlin Osa Bizroa. And yet, some very strong people who used their influence to take that which was not theirs. Amdu Bailim, so ultimately the owners got up and they said, Vekdishum Lashamayim. And ultimately, again, the owners said, you know what, if, if we're not going to have it, this, this is inappropriate. They made it hekdish. They made the trunks of the sycamore trees in Yericho hekdish. Aleyem v'alkiyotze bohem. About these type of people, and they both say, these type of people refers to people who take things by force, who exploit the weaknesses of others, for their own advancement, their own gain. About people like this, So listen to this. Now we'll say, this is an incredible, overwhelming Gemara. Incredible Gemara. We'll say, speaking about people who exploit their position and exploit their power to take advantage of the weak. Woe to me from the house of Baitos and woe to me again from Allah. I will say Rashi says over here, Baitos. Rashi says, In fact, we're going to see all of the people mentioned over here in the next, in the next couple of lines were all Kohanim Gidolim. But I will say what happened over here was as follows. Kohanim Gidolim had a lot of power, had a lot of power. And unfortunately, sometimes the Kohanim Gidolim themselves were good people but they didn't always surround themselves with the right people. And you had many people on their support staff, we'll call it, who took advantage of the power of the office of the Kohen Gadol to exploit the weak and to enrich themselves. So you see again, Abishol, excuse me, not Abishol, I'm sorry, Abi Yosef, Abishol ben Matnes, in the name of Abi Yosef, Baitos, woe to me from the house of Baitos, on Allah, Rashi says over here, is a staff, is a staff. So we'll say, really it translates actually as a mace. So we'll say, as a M-A-C-E. So we'll say, so ultimately again, so the saying over here, Baitus was the coin Gadol. And literally again, his, 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 uh, his family, his support, his support staff would beat people up for their money. 
They, they, they beat people up and extract wealth from them. Oily. They give my oily of Eschanin. Woe to me from the house of Chanin. Oily milichi shasan. And woe to me again from their whispering. Now, we'll say, so apparently, again, the, now remember, Chanin again was also one of the Kohanim Gidolim. And what used to happen is his, uh, his support staff used to purposely give bad counsel to take advantage of people. So the idea over here would be about saying, no, you give someone bad advice, you know, you really should sell off that piece of real estate. It's not going to be worth anything. The market's going to tank. And what happened? They listen to your advice because you're a high profile individual. They sell and sure enough, what happens? You buy it at a discount. They, they would take it, so they, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't physically abuse people, but they would give bad advice to entrap people. Woe to me from the house of Kasros, and woe to me again from their quills, that they would write detrimental letters, maligning the reputations of people to their own advantage. Woe to me from the house of Yishmael ben Piachi, woe to me from their fists. So we'll say literally again, the people in Yishmael ben Piachi, again, he was a coin gadol, these individuals would literally, the support staff would beat people up to take advantage of their wealth. Shehim Kohanim Gidolim. I will say all of the people, all of the names here, these were all Kohanim Gidolim during the second Mesa Mikdash. All Kohanim Gidolim. So I will say, and I want to be clear, some of them, as we're going to see, were actually good people. Some of them were good people. But unfortunately, again, their support staff were not. So, their sons were the Gizbar. And I will say this Gizbar was effectively, again, the temple treasurer. The Chazanim and their sons-in-law were Amar Kalin. We'll say Amar Kalin is actually a, is actually a contraction of Amar Kol. People whose word determines everything. They were essentially the Beis Hamikdash CFO. Right, so if the Gizbar is the treasurer, so ultimately the Amar Kalin is the CFO. So we'll say it's actually very interesting over here because you see already it's a little bit fishy. Why is it a little bit fishy? Because what happens? You have the coin Gadol and suddenly again it's amazing. He becomes coin Gadol and all his, his sons and sons-in-law, so, uh, whatever, you know, this is not the... Right, his sons and sons-in-law suddenly again have positions of prominence. So And ultimately again his servants... Their servants would go and hit the people with staff. So, we'll say, so unfortunately, again, this, this type of, this type of, what's the word, um, corruption was unfortunate. I'm sorry. But, right, but, but it's, but it's, it's nepotism and corruption because it's, it's both. I will say again, remember, nepotism, it says the right way, nepotism doesn't have to be bad if it happens to be the people who you appoint are good for the positions. In other words, if you happen to go ahead and give, give, your, give your close relatives positions and they do a good job, fantastic. If they don't do a good job, that's corruption. So, we'll say, well, so it's not the nepotism in and of itself that's problematic. It's the corruption that was really problematic. Unfortunate. So we'll say the Gemara goes right through with this. Second wide line, no Zayin Turn it up on on. Arbat Savachos Savcha Azara. We'll say the base, the Azara, which means the courtyard of the base image, but the base Amikdash itself cried out four times. First time he said, Rishona, Su'umikan B'nei Eli Shetimu Echel Hashem. The first time the base Amikdash cried out was when it called out and it cried out and told the children of Eli, get out. I will say, now remember again, the story with Eli is in Shmuel Aleph, which was in the Mishkan. It wasn't, of course, in the, it wasn't in the base Amikdash. So I will say, remember again, the Navi says, that the sons of Eli, Chafni and Pinchas, slept with women in the Mishkan. 
The Rebbe said there's a big machlok is exactly what that means. Did that mean that they literally committed adultery? Or again, some of them are first saying that what they used to do is the women would come to offer their, to offer their karbanos. And what would happen? Chafni and Pinchas would say, ah, sorry, we close at five. Right? We close at five or we close at four. Whenever they chose to close at four. And they would cause the women to have to stay over that night being separate from their husbands. See, either way, either way, it was an abuse of power. It was an abuse of power. To the point of also that the, that the, the Azara, the Mishkan cried out, get out. Of course, the children of, of children of Eli, unfortunately, again, die, right? They're killed in battle. They're killed by the Plishtim when they took the Aron out to battle. But ultimately, again, the first time the Beis Hamikdash cried out, was saying the children of Eli, get out. The other time he cried out was, get out Yisachar, who was from the village of Barkanabasa. He was a Kohen Gadol. He was a Kohen Gadol. Why did the Beis Hamikdash cry out for him to get out? Because he honored himself but he desecrated the Karbanos of Hashem. Listen to this. This coin God Yisachar from the village of Barkoi, what would he do when he did the Avodah? He would wrap his hands in silk. Now remember again, sounds very beautiful. There's only one problem. It's called what? A chatzitza. You can't do the Avodah like that. The Avodah must be done with a bare hand. Shabbos say he wrapped his hands in silk as a form of self-aggrandizement. They say, he was saying, look how chashiv I am. See, he was mechabed himself, he was mechabed himself, but he demeaned the avoda. So ultimately, the base of cried out and said, Yisach, we're going to tell Yisach Ishbarakai, get out. Ultimately, the base of cried out another time as well, but this time was a good cry. Su'u sharma sheichem, v'ikanes yishma ben piachi. But then there were times the base of English cried out, Sushan open the gates. For who? Yishmael ben Piachi. Because he was a Talmud of Pinchas, which Rabbi said is not literal, of course. But what it means he was a Kanoi, like Pinchas, and let him come in ultimately again and. Rashi says, Remember again, by the way, it's interesting, this is I mentioned to you before. Yishmael ben Piachi was quoted before as someone who had a very corrupt staff. So I will say they were examples of individuals who themselves were tzaddikim, but unfortunately, again, had the wrong, surrounded themselves by the wrong people. Vo'otzav cha'azara, tebeisamitesh cried out another time, I will say this was a good cry. Susham Rashechem, v'ikanis Yochanan ben Narboi, talmido shel pinkoi. I will say this is a great story. Tebeisamitesh also cried out and said, allow in Yochanan ben Narboi. So both say he was another coin gadol who was also a tzaddik. He was the son, excuse me, he was the Talmud of Shel Pinkoi. Now both say, we don't know who Pinkoi is. Interestingly enough, the Ben Yehoyada posits that Pinkoi was also Pinchas. It's calling these Kohanim Gidolim the Talmidim of Pinchas because they were very, they were big tzaddikim, just like Pinchas was a Kanoi, was a zealot, was a tzaddik. It's calling these Kohanim Gidolim tzaddikim as well. Now both say, now watch this. And let Yochanan ben Arboi, who was the Kohen Gadol, who was ultimately again a great tzaddik as well, let him come into the Beis Hamikdash and ultimately again fill his stomach from the Kabbalah. So we'll say, get ready for this. They said about Yochanan ben Arboi, we'll say, who again, Chazala regarding is an incredible tzaddik. He used to eat 300 eagles, right? 300 calves. The show said, Gimel meos garbe yayin. 
he would drink 300 barrels of wine. Then he would eat 40 sa'ah of young pigeons for dessert. Wow. Omru. So they said, listen to what I said, this is wild. Omru. This is great. All the days that the Yochanan ben Arbai was the coin gadol, there was no nosar. Right? So we'll say, what's nosar? Nosar is the leftover sacrificial meat. All this, we'll say, obviously, this is hyperbolic, right? What, what does this mean? We'll say, so again, the Ben Yoyada comments, he says, what it means is, Yochanan ben Arbai had an incredible love for the Karbanos and an incredible respect for the Karbanos. That Rebbe say doesn't literally mean he consumed this amount. Why was there no nosar all of the days? Because he encouraged the Kohanim to eat the sacrificial meat. Let's not leave anything over. There's such kedusha, such opportunity, such a privilege to consume this. You know, we'll say when a coin consumes karbanos, it's me'al shulchan gavoa. It's from the table of the ribbon So we'll say it doesn't mean he ate this much. Because remember, again, when you hear this much, what does it sound like when you eat this much? When you eat this, what does it sound like? Gluttonous. So obviously, Chazal aren't extolling gluttony. Gluttony is an Avera. It's a violation of Kedoshim to you. But rather, what it's saying is, he took his job so seriously and he understood the privilege to eat me Shulchan Gavoa. Incredible. Rebos said, get ready for this. This is how the parak ends. My salke baby. Remember again, the Gemara quoted, so I just want to point out, so the Beis Hamitesh cried out four times, right? Two times was for people to get out. Two times was for people to come in. The first time for people to get out was the sons of Eli. The second time the Beis Hamikdash cried out, "Please get out!" was for this individual Yisachar Ish Kfar Barkoi, right? Yisachar from the village of Barkoi. Get out! Get out! So it says the Gemara. So remember, what did he do wrong? What did he do wrong? He used to wrap his hands with silk when he would do the avodah. So he would build himself up while diminishing the importance of the, the avodah. So what happened to him? The Gemara says, what happened to Yochanan, to Yisachar Ishkvar Barkai? Both said, get ready. My, my salka baby Yisachar Ishkvar Barkai, well, like, what, whatever happened to him? So Amri Malko Malkisavi Yasvi, one time the king and the queen were sitting and having a discussion. Shabbos Rashi points out there, which, which king and queen? Malchi Beis Chashmonoi. So, so Rabbi remember again, this is when these are by the Chashmonaim. So remember again, this is very important. So I told you, this is all Second Temple era. And not only that, this is in the times of the Chashmonaim. So remember again, the Chashmonaim were Kohanim. They were Kohanim. They defeated the Syrian Greeks. And then they took the monarchy for themselves. It's in Machlokes Rambam and Ramban as to whether or not the Chashmonaim did the right thing by taking the monarchy. Some say they absolutely did the right thing because they had to stabilize the leadership, the leadership of Claudius. Yisrael. Others explain, no, it was a terrible, terrible mistake. There is a reason why religious leadership and political leadership are separate, right? Remember again, political leadership comes from Yehuda. Or I should say, called governmental leadership comes from Yehuda. Religious leadership comes from Levi. E- even though again, they work in concert, because also remember again, in a Jewish model, we don't have democracy. We don't have, we don't have any of this. We have a theocracy, right? We have a monarchy that is run based on the tenets of religion. But Lamai said, there's still a separation. There's Yehuda. Yehuda. Ultimately, again, Kuhuna Kuhuna Levia from Levi. So you see, by the way, that unfortunately, the Chashmonoi monarchy became very corrupt. 
became very corrupt. As time went on, it became very corrupt. So the point over here is, we don't know who this king and queen are, but Rashi goes out of his way to point out that this is the Hasmonean monarchy. Now, maybe it was in the beginning when it was still good. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know historically when Yisachar Ishkfar Barkoi lived. But here's what's happening. So this is a Jewish king and queen. They're having a discussion. What's the discussion? So let's listen to this. Um, so Malka, Malka Amar, Gajayoy. So we'll say they're having an, a, a, a culinary discussion or culinary debate. The king said, a gedi. Now we'll say, what's a gedi? A gedi is a young goat. The meat of a young goat is the best. So the queen said, no, the, the meat of a young lamb is the best. So they're having a machlokas. We'll say, so right, a shalom bayis problem. Right, they're having a machlokas. King says young, young goat is the best. Queen says young lamb is the best. So who's going to decide this machlok between the king and the queen? So the king has a great idea. Amru, man muchach, who could, who could decide this? Kohen Gadol, the kamasik rabbanos koyoma. Who would know best than the Kohen Gadol? Because we'll see, remember again, what does the Kohen Gadol do all day? Yeah. At least in the eyes of the king and the queen, he eats meat. And he eats sometimes goat meat. He eats lamb meat. So he could tell us, Ultimately, again, what is best? So what happened? So who do they call him? Who was the Kohen Gadol? None other than Yisachar Ishkfar Barkoi. So they call him in. So Yochanan, excuse me, Yochanan, I'm sorry, Yisachar, come and decide. Amad Beis, Amad Beis, ah, that's, that's an Amad Beis. That's an Amad Beis. So I'll say, so what happens? So they call him in, they call him in. Achvi Biyade. So we'll say, now watch what happens. Yochanan Kohen Gadol walks, I'm sorry, Yochanan, Yisachar, Yisachar Ishkvar Barkoi, I'm just going to call him Yisachar, Yisachar Kohen Gadol walks in, and we'll say, Achvi Biyadei, Mashi says, he, he does like, you know, so you know, like when someone walks in, like a dismissive gesture, like, like this, this is what you're wasting my time with, such a foolish question. It's obvious, if the meat of a young goat was really best, Yasik Litmida, then it should be brought for the carbon tummit. Instead of Osai, what is brought for the carbon tummit each and every day? Keves, right? What's brought for the day is, is lamb, is lamb. So the fact that young lamb is brought for the carbon tummit, which is the daily communal offering, brought twice every day, 365 days a year, that tells us that what? That is clearly the best kind of meat. Now, Osai, now that's a fine answer. That's a fine answer. But often in life we know, it's not what you say, but rather what? It's how you say it. The problem over here is, we'll say, what happened? Yisachar Ishkfar Karabarkai walked in, and he was dismissive to who? Really to who? To the king. <laughs> so this, we'll say, first of all, the gaiva. The gaiva, we'll say, you see, you know, you, know what's, you know what's amazing about gaiva? What's amazing about gaiva is how Gaiva allows you to become so self-absorbed that you lose even self-awareness. You want to be a Balgaiva, be a Balgaiva. You're talking to the king. And by the way, you're about to tell the king you're wrong. Be a Chacham. But that's, that's the destructive nature of Gaiva. When you're, when you're a Balgaiva, you don't even realize who you're talking to. Or you don't even realize what context it is because you're so self-absorbed 
that I simply cannot see. So Yochanan, sorry, keep saying that. Yisachar Ish Kfar Bar walks in and he walks in like, this is what you're wasting my time with. Come on, everyone knows, every tippish knows that young lamb is better than young goat. What's the shayla? After all, the carbon tamid is offered up with a lamb. So I'll say, so what happens? Amr Malka. So the king, the king was very offended. Very offended. This guy walks in here and he has no reverence. He has no respect for the king. I hereby order that his right hand be cut off. His right hand be cut off. In other words, he, now, we'll say, now what, what, what does this have to do? Because everyone knew, everyone knew that, that Yisach Ish Kfar Barakoya, how did he do the avoda? How did he do the avoda? With silk wrapped around his hand. That's he such, he's so important. Every coin god until him always did it barehanded, but he's so chashib that he wore silk on his hand. We're gonna go ahead and cut off his right hand. So I say, so watch the story. So Yisachar Ishkfar Barkoi bribed the uh, hand cutter. I don't know what you call him, whatever you call him, like the executioner, the hand cutter. So he bribed him. How did he bribe him? He bribed the guy. Listen, don't cut off my right hand, cut off my left hand. Shama Malka, the king heard about the bribe. And now the king was even angrier. You come in here, you act with chutzpah. I order a punishment for your right hand to be cut off. You bribe the, the cutter, right? The royal cutter. And you go ahead and you bribe him to cut off your left hand. So now, paske liyamine. Ultimately, again, I order that your right hand be cut off. Amar of Yosef. So we'll say, so Yisachar Ishkfar Barkoi emerges from this story, Nebuch, with no hands, no hands. Amr Yosef, Baruch Rachman Da'ashkele Yisachar Ishkfar Barkoi Lemitshafasei Minei Bahai Alma. Blessed is HaKadosh Baruch who extracted punishment from Yisachar Ishkfar Barkoi in this world, in this world. To which the Gemara says, Amr Avashi, Yisachar Ishkfar Barkoi Lotana Masnisin. By the way, Rabosai, I just want to point out, the Gemara now goes on to say, Ravashi says, Yisach, you know, Yisachar Ishkfar Barkoi was so quick to say that obviously the young lamb is better because what the carbon tamid comes from. Ravashi says that Yisachar clearly didn't know the Mishnah. He didn't know the Mishnah. What does the Mishnah say? Distan, Rabishiman Omer, Kvasim Kodman Leizim Bechomakom. You know, generally in Karbanos, lamb is always offered before goats. You might have thought because its lamb is better than goat. Talmud Lomar, Im Keves Yavi Karbano. Melamed Sheshnehem Shkulim Ke'echad. Rebosei just happy to see that the Torah places, says that you should bring a lamb over the goat, but not because lamb is better than goat, just because, whatever the reason, whatever the reason, the Torah gives a presence to the lamb over the goat, but not because the meat of the lamb is any better than the meat of the goat. Ravina, Ravina says, Truth is, Yisachar Ishkfar Barkoi didn't even know the Pasuk. Right? Forget about a Mishnah. He didn't even know a Pasuk. The Pasuk says, if you want to bring a Keves, you want to bring an A's, you want to bring a lamb, you want to bring a goat. Either way, Eboy Keves Laisi, Eboy A's Laisi. So Rabbi said, again, you see the destructive power of Gaiva. That what happens with Gaiva, Rabbi said. So Gaiva allows a person to become so self-absorbed that they don't even know who they're talking to. Gaiva becomes a person that become, allows her to become so self-absorbed that I don't, I forget the Mishnah, I forget, I forget the Pasuk, or not even I forget, I don't even feel the need to learn everything. Because at the end of the day, I know everything. Now, Bosa, the Ben Yada asks an interesting question. He says, obviously, 
Yisachar Ish Kfar Barkai was punished. But I both say, why was, why was he punished with the loss of both hands? In other words, at the end of the day, Bepashtos, where did he wear the silk? What hand did he wear the silk on? The right hand, because that's the, remember again, both say, you do avoda with the right hand. So Bepashtos, he wore silk with his right hand. So why was he punished with the loss of both hands? Both hands. So the Ben Yodah says something amazing, because they all say, how do you get the silk on the right hand? You wrap it with the left hand. So that's where the Ben Yoyada ends. But I was thinking about this. You know, we've spoken about this many times. Rabbi Soloveitchik discusses this in Allah Tshuva. And he says so beautifully that in the world of sin, there's two parts to sin. There's chait, there's sin itself, and there's derech chotim. There's the pathway to sin. And those are two very different things. Because think about, I think about an avera that I've committed. So there's the maisa avera I've done, but averas usually just don't materialize. There's a whole number of smaller events that ultimately lead to that particular maisa avera. And the Rav exposits that the derech tachuva is to identify those smaller steps, to identify those smaller moments, and ultimately, again, go ahead and stop them from occurring. That's tshuva. Tshuva is not just the cessation of hate. Tshuva is ultimately, again, the cessation of derechotim as well. And that's the incredible symbolism over here. The symbolism is the act of, the act of Yisachar Ishkfar Bar Koi, of actually, putting, of actually wearing the silk on his right hand. That's the hate. That's the hate. But the left hand putting the silk on the right hand, that's the derech chotim. And ultimately you see that Yisachar Ish Kfar Bar Koi is held responsible for both. He's held responsible, he's held, he's held responsible ultimately again for the chait itself, but for the left hand, which ultimately facilitated, which enabled the chait as well, he's held responsible for that. And I will say that's the secret to successful spiritual living. Not just to avoid sin, but to be honest with myself. What are the steps that lead me up to chait? And how could I nip it in the bud? Because if I'm just trying to stop hate, I'm already a little too late. But if I can identify the steps that lead me up to Avera, that lead me up to wrongdoing, and I could stop those, it could stop myself in my tracks, forgetting it even in those steps, that's ultimately the pathway to spiritual success. I will say, makom shenagu. I will say, Masa, I will say, just want to point out, because it's a Sunday, and maybe uh, all the football games were last night, right? There are no football games today? Are there football games today? No, there might be. All right. I'm sure everybody had their fill of how much football can one person watch. So I'll say, so I just want to point out over here, if you look, you'll notice a whole bunch of Rashi on the bottom over here. So I'll say, so this actually is a fascinating piece. What you're going to see below are all the halachos of Pesach Rishon. I'll say, the first Pesach that we observed in Mitzrayim was dramatically different than what we call Pesach Doros. All of those distinctions are included in this paragraph below. Even if you can't get it done in one day, it happens to be a fascinating distinction. All right, to both sides, we'll stop over here. Mazel tov in the conclusion of the parak. Yerushim Shatov Mustachos. Tomorrow morning, brand new parak. Shkoya. Everybody, nice to see you. Baruch Habah.